Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, and I'll read verses 47 through 48 now for us, as lead associate pastor Rich Sylvester helps us continue to fix our eyes on Jesus the Forgiver. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I hear a few wiggles and giggles in the audience today. I always love it when the kids are in the room. I thought I'd start with a question for the kids. Uh, How many of you love going to the doctor's office? Kids, are there any out there? Noah, do you love going to the doctor's office? No, no, I didn't love going to the doctor's office either when I was a kid. There were two reasons, I think, why I really didn't like going to the doctor's office. The first was the obvious, right? A shot. No one wanted to get a shot. Not a kid. No kid wants to get a shot. I I hated the idea of getting a shot. The other reason why I really hated going to the doctor was that I I hated getting a strep test when my throat was sore. It's just the worst feeling ever. And it felt like they held that Q-tip down your throat forever. I hated it. But there were two things that actually drew me to the doctor's office. There were two things that I loved about my doctor's office. The Mount Kisco Medical Group in Westchester County, New York with Dr. Katernikio. What did I love? I loved the fish tank. Every pediatrician needs to have a fish tank in their office. It's just so great to watch the fish swim and the bubbles come up from the bottom. I loved the fish tank. The other thing I loved about going to the doctor's office, they had a subscription to Highlights Magazine. You remember Highlights Magazine, right? Apparently it's still in print. Oh my gosh, they have one in the front row today. Woo! Uh, I loved a good Highlights Magazine. And if anybody, if you're honest like me, you didn't really read the stories or the articles, you turned to two things. You started by turning to the hidden pictures section right? You, you loved finding all the hidden pictures that were buried in there. And the problem, though, was a lot of times at the doctor's office, some kid used a crayon and circled all the pictures. So it was really no longer a hunt for you. And you were so disappointed that you couldn't search for pictures. So you turned to the second best part of Highlights magazine, which was the check and double check, where there were two pictures nearly identical They're on the pages, but there were differences. In this one, uh, 18 differences in these pictures. 18 differences between the two. And you would sit there and study the differences between these two pictures. I loved it. As we come to our scripture passage this morning, I think Luke wants us to see the difference between two characters. You know, as we look at the title that the ESV, now it's in the original manuscripts, sections of scripture didn't get titles. They didn't even have chapters or verse markings. But in our ESV, this is entitled, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. In the NIV, they entitled this section, uh, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. But I think they're missing a little bit that's happening here because I want to entitle it something more like this. Why not call it the obstinate Pharisee or self-righteous Simon? 
You know, there's really two characters in this story. In fact, the NASB, another translation of scripture, just calls this section a parable of two debtors. And I like that because I think Luke wants us to see two characters, two very different characters. And just like we did in Highlights Magazine, we have to look at these two characters and discover the differences between the two. One, I mean, some of them are obvious, right? One is a Pharisee. He's given a name. His name is Simon. And as a Pharisee, he is powerful. He's well, he's got connections. He's got influence. When Simon walks around town, people listen. When Simon walks around town, people turn. When Simon walks around town, people move out of the way so Simon can go by. And they probably go home and say, I saw Simon today in town. He's a man in town that everybody knows, everybody looks up to. And yet there's another character in this story, a woman, a woman that is described as a sinful woman, a woman of the city. In her story, she doesn't even get a name. She's known by her sin. She's known by her sin and her shame and people in town, when she walks down the street, they don't move out of the way because they like her so much. They move out of the way because they don't want to be near her. They don't want to touch her. They don't want to be seen with her. No, they want nothing to do with this woman. You see, there are two characters in the story, a Pharisee named Simon, a woman with no name. But one of these characters, one of these characters is going to walk away forgiven. One of these characters is going to walk away in freedom, released from her sin. One of these women is going to, one of these characters is going to walk away in peace. And I think Luke wants us to see which character is it and why is it so? What are the differences I think one of the lessons we'll learn in this story is this. We can't live forgiven until we experience the wonder of forgiveness. We can't live forgiven until we experience the wonder of forgiveness. Let's look at this story together. You can find a red Bible in the seat underneath, the, in front of you underneath. Uh, you can grab your phone or your tablet or the Bible you brought with you. Um, we're in Luke chapter seven. And as the story unfolds, it begins with this simple line. We're in Luke chapter seven, verse 36. I saw some people take out their phone and maybe they're on their Bible app. Page 864, if you grabbed one of the red Bibles under the seats. Starts off by saying one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat dinner with him. Now, I want to stop there because that is a remarkable statement. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat dinner with him. All throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees want nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, we're told they're trying to destroy Jesus. There's one other Pharisee that seeks a relationship with Jesus. His name is Nicodemus, and he does it in the cover of night. Because Pharisees were not supposed to be in relationship with Jesus. One commentator wrote, but an invitation to dinner is an invitation 
to relationship. See, I think Simon wanted a relationship with Jesus. Simon wasn't like all the other Pharisees in that moment. I don't think he was setting a trap for Jesus. I think he was really trying to figure out who is this Jesus. He wanted a relationship with him, and so he invited him to dinner. And in those days when someone of importance had a dinner party, well, everybody knew about it. And I'm sure that people were going around town saying, did you hear? Simon invited Jesus. Did you hear? Jesus is going to eat at Simon's house. And it made its way around the town. And what happened in those days when there was a dinner party, the town could come and watch that people could come, the courtyards would be open. They weren't invited to eat at the table, but very often as the dinner party was happening, the town would gather around, they would watch, and they would listen. And one of the people from town that has come to watch and listen is this woman with no name. And she comes with a mission. She comes with the intention to worship Jesus See, Luke often doesn't tell us the whole background of a character. And I'm pretty sure that at this point, this woman has already interacted with Jesus. I'm pretty sure that at this moment, this woman is responding to something that Jesus has already done in her life. Maybe she was walking through town when she saw Jesus heal the lame or cause the blind to see. Maybe she was there when just earlier he preached a sermon in the streets and said, all you who are burdened and weary, come to me and I will give you rest. And Maybe that woman found rest in Jesus. And she has shown up at this dinner party with a mission, with a mission to worship Jesus And as the dinner party begins, and as the guests recline at the table, and you need that picture just a little bit in your head, it's not a a table like we think of in our homes. Their chairs weren't upright, their their feet weren't under the table. No, these tables were very low to the ground, and, and their feet are behind them. They're reclining, they're leaning on their left elbow with their legs out behind them, their stinky feet as far away from the table as they can get them. And they're eating there with their right hands, leaning on their left elbow. And as Jesus and these Pharisees are reclined there at the table, this woman steps out of the shadows and she is overcome with emotion and she begins to weep. And her tears wet Jesus' feet. And she undoes her hair, which was scandalous, by the way. She undoes her hair and she washes Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. She kisses his feet. She takes an alabaster uh, flask, most likely a pendant that she was wearing around her neck, and she breaks it open. She pours the contents on Jesus' feet and she rubs this ointment into his feet. Can you see this scene? I mean, this is wild. And if you you keep watching this scene unfold, Luke puts us in Simon's head. And what is Simon doing? Oh, this is disgusting, Simon says. Simon's thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening in my house. This is horrible. Oh man, if this guy, if this guy was actually a prophet, 
He would never let a woman like this touch him, let alone even come near him. I can't believe this. This is horrible. This is awful. This is disgusting. This is a disgrace. I can't believe it. And Jesus looks at Simon, who has all this swirling in his head, and he goes, you don't think I'm a prophet, huh? I'm not. I'm the son of God, and I can read your mind, Simon. No, he didn't quite say it like that, did he? He just said, Simon, can I tell you something? And he tells a quick parable. He says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And one owed a year's worth of wages, and one owed a month's worth of wages. When neither of them, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more, Simon? So Simon considers these things and he says, well, I would assume the one that had the greater debt forgiven would love him more. And with this answer, Jesus turns to the woman and asks a ridiculous question. He says, do you see this woman? Everybody saw this woman. He says, do you see this woman, Simon? You know, when I came to the house, Simon, you're supposed to give me water for my feet. You always give your guests water for your feet. Simon, you gave me no water, but this woman has washed my feet with her tears. Simon, when I entered your house, you did not kiss me on the cheek. You always kiss your guest on the cheek. Simon, you did not. But this woman, oh, this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, when I came in, you did not offer me oil for my head. You always offer your guests oil, Simon. This woman, she has anointed my feet with oil. And then he says something amazing. He says, therefore, I tell you, Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus turns to the woman and he says to her something I, I really believe he said to her already. He says, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. See, there are two characters in this story and one leaves in freedom. One leaves forgiven. One leaves in peace and the other does not. And I think Luke is asking us, what is the difference? Because we can't live forgiven until we experience the wonder of forgiveness. We can't live forgiven until we experience the wonder of forgiveness. And Simon has not experienced the wonder of forgiveness. It's offered to him, but he has not experienced it. And I believe we can look at three differences in Simon, between Simon and this woman. Three obstacles to experiencing Jesus' forgiveness. Because this woman has clearly experienced it. And Simon has not. I think the first obstacle to experiencing forgiveness comes in his righteous view of himself. Simon thinks that he is worthy of Jesus's company. Simon thinks he is worthy of Jesus's presence. 
because Simon has way too righteous an understanding of himself. Just a few verses before this passage, Jesus talking about the Pharisees, he says, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. He said, we sang a dirge and you did not weep. Jesus is saying, hey, Pharisees, I came and I announced the freedom from sin. I announced that I would release the captives and set people free. And you know what you did? Nothing. Because you didn't think you needed to be set free. Jesus says to the Pharisees, I came and I, I told you there would be judgment for sin. And you didn't weep. Because you don't think you need, you don't think you have any sin. See, the Pharisees have this righteous view of themselves. They think that they are somehow holier and greater than everybody else. But last week, Travis, as we preached in, in, in Matthew of the parable, the unforgiving servant, he reminded us that we're all billion dollar sinners. Not one of us is right before God, but Simon thinks he is. When Jesus tells this parable in the passage about a money lender, and he says there were two debtors, one with 50 and one with 500, he's not really saying, hey, Simon, I realize you don't have a lot for, for me to forgive of you. Now, Jesus is saying we all have a debt we cannot pay. Sometimes we think it's a smaller debt, but the reality is, as we learned from last week, our debt is a billion dollar debt. And Simon doesn't believe that. Simon has way too righteous a view of himself. But there's another obstacle to experiencing forgiveness. And that is that Simon has way too mild a view of sin. Simon has way too mild a view of his own sin. Right there is this woman washing Jesus' feet and Simon's disgusted and he goes, how could somebody like a prophet ever let a woman like this touch him? And I want to say, Simon, how do you ever think that you should be able to eat at a table with Jesus? Simon thinks that his sin is, is not nearly as bad as the woman's. He doesn't have this view of sin in his life because he does what a lot of us do. He compares himself to others. And he goes, oh, my sin doesn't look that bad. I may have said something I shouldn't to my wife, but at least I didn't do that. Sure, I, I, didn't, uh, I got the wrong change at the store and I kept all the extra money, but it's not like I robbed a bank. I mean, Simon is just has this mild view of sin, not realizing that sin, any sin separates us from God. The penalty of any sin is death. And yet we love to look at the world around us and go, look at all that sin. And Simon needs to look at his own. We need to look at our own. Back when I was in college, I worked at a Christian wilderness boys camp in the Adirondacks of New York called Deerfoot Lodge. It was an awesome opportunity for me. I went there from when I was eight years old to when I was 24 years old, every summer. I loved it. And one year I was the assistant to the director. And so whatever the director needed, I did. The director's name, we called him Chief Chuck. 
Chief Chuck had these giant eyebrows that accentuated everything he said. We, we all lovingly made fun of him. Whenever we quoted Chief Chuck, we'd, we'd do this. And I was on the town run with Chief Chuck. We were picking up things that we needed, worms for the fishing area, uh, new arrows for the archery area. You know, and of course, we stopped by the post office because we had to pick up all the care packages for the kids, the Snickers bars and homemade cookies and everything that mom and dad sent to their boys that were away from camp or away from home. And we also had to give the mail the, a couple letters that kids wrote. We never really wrote home as kids. We just were having too much fun. But we put the mail there and they'll pay for it. And the post office would take it. And then I noticed he took one letter out of his pocket and he said to the postmaster, he said, I need one more stamp. And he threw a couple coins on the desk. And I looked at him and I said, Chief Chuck, why did you not just mail that with all the other mail? And he looked at me and said, well, this is my personal letter. It had nothing to do with camp business. I wanted to pay for it out of my own pocket. And I looked at him and I said, Chief Chuck, it's just one little stamp. And his eyebrows went up a few times. And he turned to me. He always called me by my last name. And he said, Sylvester, there is no such thing as one little sin. His eyebrows made me feel really small in that moment. But I understood something. There's no such thing as a little sin. When we talk about people behind their back, when we gossip, when we write comments online that are not respectful of people, or when we don't acknowledge uh, uh, what others have done in our life, when, we, when we're prideful and arrogant... This is all sin. And it prevents us from experiencing the forgiveness of God if we don't acknowledge it in our lives. There's an obstacle of having a righteous view of self, of having a mild view of sin. There's another obstacle. It's a lowly view of Jesus Simon's trying to figure out who Jesus is. He thinks in his head, well, he can't be a prophet, is he? He responds to his question. He calls him a teacher. At the end of the story, Simon is going, who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sins? See, Simon's trying to figure out, is Jesus a prophet? Is Jesus a teacher? Who, who is this guy? But the woman knows. The woman knows that the son of God, the king of kings, has joined him at the table. The woman knows that there is this chasm of sin between us and God that we could never overcome. And so God went over the chasm for us. Though God extended through time and space and out of heaven and grabbed us and said, here I am, I'll save you. And she understood that reality. She understood who Jesus was. And so she walks into that room and not caring what anybody else thinks, she lets down her hair and she grabs Jesus' feet and she worships. She breaks open that expensive flask of ointment and she pours it on his feet and she says, I'm in all of me. I'm following you, Jesus. The woman gets it and she walks away forgiven in freedom and in peace. 
In the year 1830, there was a man named George Wilson. George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. He stole some mail. And in 1830, when you stole the mail, you were hanged. So he's sentenced to death. But George Wilson had some very influential friends. Friends that knew President Andrew Jackson. And they pleaded with the president, will you please give George Wilson a pardon? And eventually the president did. And he wrote out a pardon and he gave it to him. And George Wilson said, I don't want the pardon. And the legal system got very confused. Well, the president gave him a pardon. Well, he doesn't want the pardon. And it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court where the Chief Justice John Marshall of the U.S. Supreme Court wrote this. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon at all. In this story, are you the woman that understands the brokenness in your life, the gravity of your sin, the awesomeness of Jesus? Or are you a Simon that thinking that you're righteous, that your sin isn't so bad? Jesus has offered forgiveness to all of us. And we can't live forgiven until we have experienced the wonder of God's forgiveness. May we experience that wonder together. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus by meeting people wherever they are spiritually and physically. If you'd like to learn more or connect with us, follow us on social media at WCChapel757 or visit our website, wcchapel.org. Have a blessed day.